This is Ira Glass of This American Life, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Monroe Martin. I don't want to be one of those parents who are now, like, living life, but have to bring around a baby with them. Like, I would rather, like, go to a couple more countries, do a couple more things, and then have a kid, and we can bring that kid years later instead of just trying to figure it out and, like, be the people trying to shut up the baby on the plane. Been a while since we spoke to Monroe. A lot going on in his life. Uh, we'll get an update uh, in just a few minutes. We have a song of the week coming from Ollie Murs. And of course, as always, we proceed the interview with a dumb bit or two. Tonight, it's the home remodeling program for the rest of us. It's HGTV's This House is Fine, Just the Way It Is. Hello. Oh, your colors are great. Your furniture looks both stylish and comfortable. And I love the window treatment. This house is fine just the way it is. So long. This house is fine just the way it is on HGTV. Followed by, oh my God, what did you do to my living room? And now, the troubleshooter. Finding a good mechanic can be tricky, as one local man found out. Consumer troubleshooter Tony Soprano has more. Chuck Hyperbole was having trouble with his car, so he took it into a local repair shop to have it tuned up. Well, I went to Hoodlum Brothers Repair Shop. I had testified against Ron Hoodlum a long time ago, but I figured bygones, you know? And I'd give him my business. But it seems they gave Chuck the business. Well, I'm driving out in the Meadowlands, middle of the night, dumping a bot, uh, making a delivery, you know? When the engine just dies. I had to walk back eight miles. That's when I called troubleshooter Tony Soprano. I decided to pay them a visit. Mr. Hoodlum, Tony Soprano, troubleshooter. Shooter? No, not that kind of sh- Well, not usually. Listen, you fix this car belonging to Mr. Chuck Hyperbole? Yeah! He's a lawyer viewer of our newscast. Now let's look at Mr. Hyperbole's car together, shall we? He says you tuned it up, but it sounds a little rough. Don't you think? I don't hear nothing. Take a closer look. Ow! Hey! Oh, let go of my... Ow! Look! Does that sound right? Ow! Does that sound right? Does that sound right? Stop it! I don't think so. Owie! After I stuffed him into the trunk of Mr. Hyperbole's car, he started to see the light, which is ironic, because there's no light in there. (laughs) How's it running now, Chuck? Great, Tony. Now I got two deliveries to make out in the Meadowlands. (laughs) (laughs) If you're having a consumer problem, call Tony Soprano. The Troubleshooter. Monroe Martin is a stand-up comedian originally from Philadelphia, PA. Uh, we spoke to him a couple of years ago, right after he was on Last Comic Standing. Lots been going on in his life since then. Here now is our interview with Monroe Martin. Okay, so how you doing, man? I'm well. No complaints. Been uh, about, I think two, three years since we spoke last. Um, so what, like what? No, yeah, you. Uh, I I did this when I first uh, got there. When I first uh, headlined that club. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So what? What have you been? I know you have a, a podcast going. I I saw that, but uh, what else have you been up to? 
Uh, yeah, I got the podcast going. I recently got married. I got married in October, so... Oh, yay. That's pretty damn dope. Yeah. And uh, uh, how did you meet your How did you meet your missus? Oh, I met her at a comedy club. I met her at uh, a comedy club in Long Island City called um, The Standing Room. And it was funny because she didn't like me. She <laughs> didn't want me. My, my friend liked her. And then I just was, like, standing around, and then her cousin came over to me and was like, hey, she doesn't, I don't think you should be talking to me. You should be talking to her, because she definitely doesn't like your friend. So then I went over there, was like, hey, what's up? What's going on? We're on the street, dude. You like me. And that turned out to be a lie, but it worked out in my benefit, because we're married now. Well, there you go. That's funny. Yeah, romance. Yep. So, what else are you up to? Uh, besides just uh, doing the road and working on personal projects and stuff, uh, I'm working on a, um, a one-man show about growing up in foster care, and I'm going to start running that in April at in New York at the Fat Black Pussycat Lounge. So, that's pretty fun and just developing. Had a couple of pilots got shot down, so just keeping it moving. Just keep plugging away. Got got more pilots coming up? Uh, yeah, but none that I can really speak publicly about. Okay, I no, of course. I speak about them after the fact, like if they got picked up or something. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I know the the foster care thing is a, a thick uh, subject near and dear heart, of course, because you you grew up in uh, the system. Do you work like outside of comedy, doing anything with that? Uh, you know, raising money, awareness, or things like that. Uh, I'm definitely getting into that a lot more. I work with this program called Casa. Um, I work with the New York one, so I I recently just did a documentary. Well, I didn't do it. I was a part of a documentary for them. I do. Uh, I did like a, a benefit for them. I did another benefit uh, for them, but it was like at a bigger spot. It was for like them, Netflix, NBC. Uh, I did like a PSA with like foot beats for them. So I try to keep. I try to keep one hand in, you know, and always be accessible to them. Uh, but I want to definitely step it up a little bit more this year and moving forward just being a little bit more active you know like uh i kind of i think i want to put together like some sort of like film festival for kids in care because i feel like kids in care are always told that they can do the the basics like you, you can become a lawyer you can become this and it's like yeah but you can also be an actor you can be a writer you can be a director there's a lot of other shit that seems like it's a, a fairy tale or a fantasy that is actually obtainable. So I want to be that guy that, you know, she at least show them the window and not the door. Going, hey, you can come through here. So has the system, do you think, gotten better over the years? Do people, because, I mean, there's a lot of, you hear a lot more about it and things, but does it has the system gotten better for kids gradually over time, you think? My, I, I honestly don't know. Like, I really haven't spoken, uh, had the opportunity to really speak to kids in care. I've been on the side speaking to adults who work with the kids. Okay. And, you know, people tell you anything. They'll go, here's our numbers, here's this. And a lot of uh, change isn't really measured by numbers. I mean, on the business side, it can be measured by numbers. But 
the kids that it affects, like you really can't just measure that by going, here's the percentage, but you have to sit there and talk to them. So that's why I want to get a little bit more active on that side. Okay. I want to be more accessible to the kids versus the people who oversee the project and stuff. Aha. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. So uh, apart from that, what else are you talking about on stage these days? And other things you've you probably you know but talking being... about a lot. Talking about being married now. Talking about uh, how that kind of uh, is like just this new to me because nobody really did the marriage thing in my life. Like a lot of my friends ended up getting married, but like growing up, I lived with a lot of like single parents and people who didn't really believe in marriage because it didn't work out. So I kind of talk about that. And I'm back to talking about the foster care thing just because for a while I stopped talking about it. Yeah. Just because I got in my head about, oh, I don't want to be the guy known for this and that and this and that. And then it was dumb. It was something my wife pointed out. She was like, you know, not everybody has seen your set. Not everybody knows your comedy. So you kind of should keep doing it and keep that a part of your act so it can grow and your audience can grow. Because I'm like, She's absolutely right because, you know, I'll get to a club maybe that I've done twice and probably have, like, uh, a repeat, like, not a full repeat audience, but, like, some people who came last year, and then I'll switch it up. And a lot of people go, oh, man, I brought somebody because you usually talk about growing up in foster care. You didn't this time, but it was still funny. And I'm like, ah, damn, I should keep that a part of my act. I'm going back to talking about it in marriage is the perfect way to uh, bring it back up and make it relevant again. Because, like I said, I, my parents were married, but that did, shit didn't work out for them. And I ended up fought the care and then going down that little rabbit hole of just seeing how people live and not being married and just all that other goofiness. Did you think living with a variety of uh, families, I guess, everything kind of gave you a, a maybe a better perspective of what works and what doesn't work, or were you just more worried about like surviving and stuff? I was worried more about surviving. I wish that I got some sort of perspective. A lot of uh, a lot of my experiences in the care in foster care was more survival because I came up in foster care in a survival city in Philly. A lot of people in Philly are just trying to survive. So I wish I got like a um, a, a perspective on marriage. A lot of people just was like, don't ever get married. It ain't worth it. People ain't shit. You just gonna, it ain't worth it. Just get your money. A lot of people that I live with are just focused on getting their money and making sure they have enough money to do the things they want. Marriage was never like something they cherished. So I guess the next logical question would be, I know, I know it's early on because you just got married back in October, but do, do you uh, plan on having kids possibly? Oh, yeah. I want kids. I want kids, but that's going to be difficult because uh, I talked about this on stage too, uh, that my wife ended up making me, making me get like this, like my semen levels checked because she thought she would have problems conceiving because she has uh, an autoimmune disease and a lot of women find it hard to get pregnant when they have autoimmune disease. So out of being nice, I was like, well, you know, we both just get checked out. And then I found out that I'm the one that's kind of fucked up. Oh, no. But like, I'm the one, like I have like a 
I talk about the face. I have like a low count, and then the mobility is slow. So I'm like, I went in there expecting everything to be fine, and then they were like, ah, yeah, yeah, you, you don't got Michael Phelps. You got like slow swimmers, son. Uh oh. Well, yeah, but we want a kid. I want a kid at 31 because I think that's how long it'll. I mean, not 31, 34 because I think that's how long it's going to take take for the sperm to reach the egg anyway. It's going to take <laughs> like a full year. Well, there's an advantage too when you're, you know, when you're even older. You, not just talking about family experience, but just life experience in general. Maybe you're you're better prepared, you know. Oh hell yeah! I spent like I had plenty of pregnancy scares when I was younger, but now as an adult and I have a career, my wife does great too. I'm like not afraid to have a kid. I don't like I want one, but not at this moment. I would rather wait until we move. Or at least, and I tell her, or at least wait till we get more stamps on our passport. I don't want to see the world a lot more because I don't want to, like, I don't want to be one of those parents who are now, like, living life but have to bring around a baby with them. Like, I would rather, like, go to a couple more countries, do a couple more things, and then have a kid and we can bring that kid years later to the same places and be, and be like, hey, this is what we experienced. Here's like, here's where we can go. You'll have fun doing this instead of just trying to figure it out and like be the people trying to shut up a baby on the plane. <laughs> uh, have you had much of a chance to travel out of the country with your comedy? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I went to China. Uh, I did like Mexico and stuff, but with just like by myself and me and my wife, we went to Puerto Rico. Uh, well, that ain't really out the country. We were like back to Mexico. We're planning on going to Colombia in May. I think like at the beginning of May, we're going to go to Colombia. She's Colombian. So that'll be pretty cool because I'll get to meet like some of her like extended family. And I got to like learn Spanish now. <laughs> uh, have you started learning? I uh, started as in... This week, yes. <laughs> I, I, I downloaded this uh, Learn Spanish While You Drive tape on Spotify, and it's like it's like 20 lessons. So I'm just going lesson by lesson like uh, every two weeks. So this week is the basics. It's just like how to say like, um, like buenos noches and buenos dias and and all that other stuff. And then I'll learn how to put, like, real sentences together and be able to communicate. Hopefully, by the time we go on this damn trip. And before you know it, you'll be doing comedy in Spanish. Oh, my God, I wish. I wish. South, South American circuit, those dudes make money. They make money, and they're big I didn't know that. I um I know a couple uh, comedians who perform, you know, in English and Spanish, and uh, like uh, I'm sure you know uh, Carmen Lynch. She's based in New York, and uh, yeah, Ida Rodriguez. Carmen, she's cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, and Ida Rodriguez, and I was surprised. If, well, Carmen was telling us that um she'll do. Well, she used to do it this way. She would do completely different sets in Spanish than she would do in English. But now lately, she's kind of the two have meshed a little better. 
And uh, Ida was saying the same thing. She was like, well, some some things work better in English and some things work better in Spanish. It's just, it's very interesting. Yeah, no, I actually, like, I'm friends with Ida, and I text her. Me and Ida used to have the same manager. Oh. I text her one day, like, yo, I don't think our manager knows how big you are <laughs> in the Latin circuit, because I've just seen a video, like, my wife, don't even, my wife knows Ida through comedy, like, before she even met me, she was like, oh, my God. Because I introduced her, she was like, oh, she's so funny. I've seen her clips and stuff. I even got videos that are 3 million views that are just, are in Spanish and that's just circulating on, like, Facebook and Instagram and stuff. And I'm like, our manager never capitalized on that. That's weird. But I think she does now where she's, like, smart enough to, like, all right, let me set up this tour. Same thing with Vlad. Vlad, uh, you know Vladimir Camano? Yeah, yeah, we, we've talked to him. Yeah, 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 that's a homie, too. Uh, I think he does both. He does in Spanish and uh, English, so I want to be that guy, too. There you go. That's a uh, that's a, a, a where they go. So I was, was I guess your wife was probably a, a big comedy fan before she met you. I reckon because she was at the club when you met. Is no, no, that's what I'm saying. So oh, uh, they they dragged her to the club because she was having like a like I guess they they hadn't went out in a while. Like her and her friends, they didn't go out in a while, and she was like ruining the time because she was just like moping. And just really not having fun. So then they were like, yo, we're going to go in this club. We're going to have fun. You're going to enjoy yourself. And then uh, and they told her, they was like, look, if you don't drink this beer and enjoy yourself, we're going to make you talk to that big black guy on stage. <laughs> and, then, and then she didn't drink the beer and she still had to talk to the big black guy on stage. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So has she become a comedy fan or is that just that's just her husband's job as uh, she she liked it. She uh yeah, she really liked comedy. She liked me a lot and it's like weird to have like she's actually a fan of mine. That's why she like uh like she'll like ask me stuff or like try to like help me see different perspectives. But she likes comedy a lot more now. She knew the basic like Chris Rock and stuff, but I put right. her on the, like Patrice O'Neill, Michael Che uh, John Mulaney, like John all those Mulaney. people. Then she'll seek out certain people herself and go, what do you think about this? And I'll be like, oh, I don't like it or I don't like it or I get it, but it's not for me. But she's like a real, and it's like weird because I, I know a lot of people who are in relationships and their significant other does not give a shit. <laughs> but she really cares. She really thinks I'm funny. I'll make her laugh. I'll say something and she'll be like, that's dumb. Or funny, and we can just keep going back and forth. And if I have like a new, I don't run jokes by her, but if I've been doing the joke for a long time, and I'm like, um, like I'm like, all right, I'm, I don't know where this can go, or maybe I don't understand what I'm really saying. I see the funny, but I don't see the point. I'll like bring it up to her, and she'll go, oh, okay, that makes sense because X, Y, and Z. So she helps me connect the dots. I was say, is it better to have someone that's not maybe a comedian to, to, to point that out? Because, you know, most of the audience, you know, are, are late yeah, people. Just a, yeah, just a little bit. Like, it makes sense. At first I was against it, but then it makes sense because I'm like, well, you know, you, you're the, you represent the audience. So even if it's not funny, it still has to make sense. You still have to understand it and then go, oh, okay, I got it, but I didn't think it was funny. So I'm, I, I kind of run 
I will run it by her or show it to her to see if it actually makes sense. Not if it's funny, because I'm like, I can okay, okay, yeah. down the line. Yeah. But there's a coherent thought that goes A, B, C, do you follow it? And then sometimes you go, well, this doesn't make sense because you said this, and then that's not true. Or she'll go, well, that's funny because boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, okay, cool, thank you. So what does she do? What's her What's her day job? She's an ultrasound technician, so she uh, oh, okay. she scans babies and oh, boobies right. and balls <laughs> and bloods and goodness and all that good stuff. Wow, there you go. Yeah, yeah, doing. I know, right? I would think that's the life. I love her, but she's always checking on me. <laughs> um, Basically, like a patient of hers that just lives in their house. <laughs> Why does she do, does she have to like run experiments on you and stuff? I don't understand. Well, sometimes. Well, was she studying? And there's like a new thing that she has to like start scanning. She's not afraid to go uh, come into my job tomorrow, and I want to practice on you. I want to scan you, <laughs> and then I'm afraid that she'll scan me, and then she'll find some real shit because she has, you know. Yeah. Like she scanned me plenty of times, but she scanned my throat. Because I feel I just normally had, like, a raspy voice. And she was like, well, let me scan your nodules. And then she scanned. She was like, I got cysts, like, all up and down my vocal cords. Goodness. So, so, yeah, and I'm like, God damn it. I thought I was just special. <laughs> so now do you have to do something about that? Or can you just just leave that and leave it as part of your, your uh, personality? Well, I'm keeping it because the alternative to... The cyst thing is they uh, they have to test them sometimes to make sure that they're not, like, dangerous. And they, like, stick a needle in your throat. And I'm like, I'll pass. So I've been putting <laughs> off that appointment. Because she's made an appointment, and I and I get busy. That's all I say. Like, when I know the appointment comes up, I find something else to do. Like, like go to Virginia Beach and perform with a funny bone? <laughs> Hell yeah! I mean, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So I know you're you're based in New York still, right? Yes, sir. Queens now, though. Yeah, I live in Jackson Heights. So how often do you get out of the city to to do gigs like you're like you're doing this weekend? And uh, are you you in the city mostly, or do you go out on the road once a month? What's how's that? What's that breakdown like? I try to mix it up. I try not to stay in the city too too long, just because I don't want to build up. Uh, a habit of learning how to just talk to New Yorkers to do New York style comedy sometimes. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you can get stuck in the hole of like just creating inside jokes and and people know, like you know, they'll be like, like I'll have a joke about the train. Not every city has trains. You know? Not every city may have the things that New York has. So... It gets me out of that. It gets me out of that like hole where I'm like, okay, I gotta kind of stay. I gotta stay like within my own experiences, but lose the specifics that will make it. Uh, that will like not make it universal. And then I'll do the road. I'll do like I was in Philly yesterday for two shows. I did two little pop up shows that was really fun. Uh, one of them sold out. The other one was like, uh, it was close to selling out. It was still fun. Um, one was downtown and then the other was, um, 
what is it, like Mount Airy? I used to live in that area. So I was going to say, you're, change. you're a Philly guy. Um, yeah, and uh, I did like AC. I did like Connecticut. So I just try to stay busy. I'll throw some colleges in there. It's all just trying to stay busy. There you go, man. Well, great. Glad things are going well for you. I'm glad we're able to uh, to connect again. Um, you know, as usual, this will be in, in print and uh, online in City Pages you know, the week that you're up there in Minneapolis. So uh, have fun in Virginia Beach and uh, have fun up in Minneapolis there, of course. And I'll talk to you again soon. Hey, man. Thank you. Thanks, thank Monroe. Thank you for uh, being interested in me. Oh, no problem. I've been a big fan since the last comic. Well, thank you. Well, hopefully when this goddamn one-man show is finished and done, we can have another interview. Yes, bring it to Cincinnati, and uh, yeah, we'll get you some ink here, too. Hell yeah. Great, man. All right, talk to you later, bro. All right, man. Thank Bye. You. Thanks to Monroe Martin for being on the show. You can catch Monroe April 12th at the Black Cat Comedy Show in New York City. It's there on uh, Rivington Street. You can look that up. Just Google that. Or if you need more Monroe Martin information, go to MonroeMartinComedy.com. Uh, time for the song of the week. We'll skip the usual promo stuff because nothing to update there. But uh, song of the week is from Ali Murs. I love Ali Murs. He was a big, uh, what they call X-Factor winner over there in the UK and uh, had quite a, a string of top 10 hits. But um, the last album hasn't done so well on. I'm not sure why, but uh, a lot of good singles on it. And uh, so, I downloaded a bunch of them, and uh, including this one's called Take Your Love. Uh, starts off kind of slow, but then it gets into that kind of bouncy, poppy, uh, Ollie Murs kind of feel. I'm just amazed. This guy's only had one top 40 hit in the U.S., and it was with somebody else. He was on some rapper's record. He was a featured artist, so uh, really strange. Go go dig back through your Ollie Murs. I think you're really going to enjoy it. This, in the meantime, is our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder. Ollie Murs, Take Your Love. So long, and thanks for listening. You go round and round and round and round. You go round. But he lets you down and down and down and down, he lets you down Everybody knows your business in this town Cause you can't help it, no you can't help it And he'll tell you, tell you, tell you, tell you what you want But you've been faking, faking, faking it more than once And you keep calling, calling me every time he's gone Like you can't help it, you can't help it Whoa. He don't see what I see He don't know what you need He's gonna know when I take your love away He only loves you part-time Show that you cry on his mind Waiting for me to take your love away And every piece that he breaks Is another piece that I take Until he's made that last mistake He don't think that you you down and down and down and down he lets you down